0: This is Drummers Resource Podcast, session 655. And the quote of the day is Pay attention to the things you are naturally drawn to. They're often connected to your path, your passion, and your purpose in life. Have the courage to follow them. Listening to the Drummers Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. And beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Rafini here, episode six hundred and fifty-five, and this is the this is the first episode that I've done since. The tragic news of taylor hawkins passing away and unfortunately i would never had taylor on the podcast there were some talks about it uh for a while but never made it happen and the i it hit everyone for sure and i'm not going to sit here and say that you know taylor and i were friends or that i knew him and and honestly it's weird saying this but I I never really like dug into Taylor's playing, right? So like obviously listened to the Foo Fighters. I knew that he, you know he played with Alanis Morissette and all that. Um but the weird thing is a couple of weeks ago I went down like a Taylor Hawkins rabbit hole for one reason or another. And I remember watching in particular a Foo Fighters video and it was a live video and they came out or he came out and, and he sang and his son was in the in the front row and and everything and I was just thinking how amazing it it was you know from what I was seeing like this kid watching his dad play drums and and just how amazing of a player he was and and just I don't know it was just I, I, I don't know why I did it either I just went down this rabbit hole for for some reason a few weeks ago uh, and then ultimately heard the the bad news about a, a week later. And I just want to say for anyone listening, if you're friends with Taylor or he had a huge impact on you, um, I'm sorry. And my thoughts and and my prayers are with his family and his friends and his fans. And it's a huge loss for, for all of us. And uh, you know, I don't know what else Uh, I'm, I'm still at a loss for, I was at a loss for words when I found out I'm still at a loss for words. He was by, by everyone's uh, comments and everything. He was an amazing person drumming aside. He was just an amazing human being and, and will be greatly missed. And uh, if this isn't enough of a reminder, you know, go out and go out and hug your loved ones and, and let everyone know that uh, that you care for them and you never know. So uh, I don't want to start this this podcast on a sad note, uh, but I, I felt the need to, to say something about that. So um, let's get into this episode. This episode is with Chris Coleman, and I had Chris on the podcast back on April 23rd of 2018, so episode 385, and I have referenced this episode a lot. I've referenced it not only on the podcast, but... In conversations with people. And a lot of times, you know, people ask me, oh, you've done 650 of these. Which one was the best, right? There is no best. I love every single interview that I've ever done. And every episode I'm so thankful for. But Chris has stuck out to me. And you'll hear why when we get into this about how he was on a completely different path and changed directions. And now... I mean, he's Chris Coleman. So uh, I wanted to bring this back to the top because, again, I I reference this a lot. I talk about it a lot and it's kind of buried in the archives. It was it was four years ago that I did this episode with Chris. So uh, a great just a great episode with an amazing human being. He's let's not I mean, drumming. He's he's insane, but maybe one of the one of the nicest people that you could ever meet as well. So uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it with the legend, Mr. Chris Coleman. Chris Coleman, how are you, my man?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I was just looking back at the, uh, I was trying to find the first emails that you and I started exchanging and I'm not exactly sure when it was, but I think it was 2014 that we started email back and forth to line up this interview. That's great.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that that, that it sucks, but that sounds about right.
0: <laughs> and, you know, you kept emailing me and be like, when can I get on the podcast? And I'm like, I got no time for you. And, no, I'm just
2: kidding. <laughs> 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 So,
0: uh, but it's been a long time coming. But I wanna, I wanna, I, I wanna sincerely thank you for for doing this. I'm glad that we got it. Uh, I'm glad that we finally got it lined up, and we're gonna get into it, man.
1: Yeah, man. No worries, bro. I appreciate the the opportunity, man.
0: Sure, of course. Um, I wanna, I wanna build a little bit of context, a little bit of backstory with you. Um, I know that you're originally from Michigan. You grew up at two years old, or you started playing drums at at two years old, came up through the church, Um, which is an interesting thing because that most people who came up through the church end up playing at such a young age, at two or three, and do you think that, and I've asked a couple people this, why do you think that is? Do you think it's just because you're at church and drums are seemingly an easy instrument to play when you're that age because you can just grab sticks and hit drums?
1: Well, in the smaller churches okay let me let me make sure i clarify um because most people nowadays in 2018 will go to a mega church and they're like i don't see no kids on no drums you know
0: (laughs)
3: right
1: that that's a whole new culture of church you know when we when i was growing up um you know the average membership was anywhere from 50 to you know 500 right and being that small you're a family you know you're really a family you're really a community and the the vibe and uh, the atmosphere was usually charged with just love and positivity you know and mm-hmm. encouragement and and a lot of times you'd have single mothers you know or or you know kids you know running around and some of them would take interest in the drums and Instead of, no, 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 you can't play, don't play on those drums because they're so expensive and, you know, we have $4,000 worth of mics and, you know, it, it, which you would probably catch at a mega church mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of that, it was, oh, you know, tell him to come over here and play and encourage him and, and the drummer would give him some sticks and next thing you know, he's like, you can see those big bushy eyes on the kid, you know, he's like, oh my God, like, wow. and that was the vibe. It was just so community. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was easy access to drums and kids and, I mean, I grew up where, <laughs> it was like everybody played drums in our church. We had like 10 drummers, bro, for four <laughs> songs on a Sunday. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was retarded. <laughs> like, you get a verse you know, and, and you copy. get
0: a chorus and you get a verse and you get a Right.
1: Chorus. Exactly. <laughs> or you play for the youth choir. You play for the the women's choir and the men's male chorus and the the young adult choir and the senior choir. It's like, I don't want to play for the senior choir because all this song's slow, you know? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's that's what we grew up with, you know? Um, Let me see, I'm 38 now, so my generation, uh, a lot of the uh, drummers you'll see nowadays, um, they could probably attest to that, too. The younger group, the younger generation, they're probably coming up more of the out of the mega church sizes where the average, um, you know, was probably anywhere from fifteen hundred to tens to twenty thousand, you mm-hmm. know, members of the church. So it's is more membership a, in these churches growing
0: up or getting bigger?
1: Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, they're getting bigger, and bigger, and bigger. I mean, times are changing, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and technology's changing we're getting more sophisticated you know every any any vocation in life any genre in life uh will evolve you know what i'm saying right some form away positive or negative you mm-hmm. know so that's just life itself
3: right
0: it's always
1: it's yeah, always an interesting thing go ahead no no i was just saying that's how it was for me
0: i got you it's always an interesting thing too, because by the time, you know, you start playing it too in the church and then you start hanging out with other people who are playing the drums, it's like going to the gym with someone who's bigger than you, right? You're going to get stronger. You're going to get, you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to get better faster. And so you get, you know, these kids that end up being five and six and seven, eight, and they're so good. Well, it's like, well, first of all, they've been playing for six years, Right. Second of all, they're getting pushed by all these other people who are pushing them too. And they have this friendly competition. So it always it always amazes me, one, how good younger kids coming out of church are, but then how everybody else is sort of baffled by how people got so good. And it's like, well, you know, by the time they're 12, like by the time Tony Royster was 12, he was playing for 10 years already. It's a long time. Right. You know, like right. I started playing when I was 15. <laughs> And it's just a, it's, so the, the idea of that, it's like, and I, and I don't want to say this in a, in a negative way, but it's almost like, man, you had kind of an unfair advantage.
1: (laughs) You know? I see what you're saying. And it's funny that you say Tony, because him and I had that conversation. Him and I both, both of our fathers or slash family was into music. Mm -hmm. So even at an age of two, I started out under professionals. You see right, what I'm saying? So right. the intensity level or or should I say the, the encouragement level was already high at two. So, you know, it, it's it's like anything, you know, you're you're going to become, well, you are what you eat, so to speak, right. you
0: know? Right. Yep. 100%. And do you think that at that age or maybe not at two, I, I mean, obviously not at two, but as you start getting – Uh, getting more familiar with playing you start learning the ropes a little bit more did you know that this was a career path for you or was it just part of sort of you know your upbringing your culture and it was just sort of what you did and and you didn't you were always maybe always going to be a drummer but maybe not a professional or maybe you weren't going to pursue it as a career
1: (laughs) man this part even this part we're talking about now it even still to this day, this day baffles me because my ultimate dream, um, was to go to the air force and fly jets. Really? Um, science and math. Yeah. Science and math was my things, man. Um, I hated school because it was slow for me. Uh, uh-huh. you know, um, I got bad grades just cause I didn't want to do it. It wasn't because I couldn't learn. And the only reason, like, I remember a couple of semesters, like I aced every single thing because I just was like, okay, let me do it. And I did it. It was because my mom was like, Oh my God, you won't graduate on time. And you know, for my my mom coming from the South, their biggest thing was like, dude, if we're blessed to have an education and to get a good job and retire. Like that was huge coming from the South and, you know, those issues, you know, that culture back then in that time. So to see my mom sad about that, I couldn't handle that. So I just like, I basically did it and aced everything. So it wasn't that I, I couldn't learn. It was just, it didn't interest me, you know? Mm-hmm. What interests me was, yeah, I love math and numbers and science, but I was into martial arts and, you know, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL fly jets. I was like, I was going to do it. And I had a sickness uh, called ulcerative colitis, and it's, it's inflammatory bowel disease.
2: Very familiar. Um, with it.
1: When I was. Yeah, when I was in eighth grade. So they took out my large Mm intestine in eighth grade. But come graduation at 12, I'm thinking, oh, man, this is five, six years ago. You know, I'm 19, 20 years old. I want to go to, you know, I'm good. I'm like somewhat in shape. I can, you know, do boot camp and all that. And come to find out this sickness is on the list to keep me from getting in. It had something to do with the G-forces. And, oh, we're afraid that it'll rip your stomach open. And I'm like, what? Like, come on, man, you know. So, oh, bro, at that moment, sitting in that um that recruiter's office, and I aced my ass back. like I scored very high on it, and they were like excited. Oh man, you're gonna do good! And um, he was like, Yeah, man, I'm so sorry. We won't be able to, you know, accept admit you, accept you. And I was like, What? I was devastated, bro. I was working third shift at a gas station, at, and during that time, and like I had no idea what was next. Drums was like the furthest thing from my mind. Like, I love music. I love to play. I, you know, it's funny. I spent all my money on drum stuff, but I was not thinking as a career. It was right. just, I always thought it was fun, you know? Huh. Um, I I guess because I was lack of exposure to the industry, you know? Yeah, I was, I was okay in the gospel world, you know, because it was just all church, church to church you know, church locally, a few churches out of state here and there. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it wasn't really an industry. But here it is, you my heroes like Dennis Chambers and Vinny and Dave and Steve Smith and Virgil and Terry Bozio and you know, Tony Williams, all these other great artists, I'm like I was just digging the music. I'm just like, man, I didn't I never thought oh they do this for a living. You know what I'm saying? Right. So um for me you know, it was after that Air Force, you know, denial moment that I was like, yo, like, what am I going to do? You know? And I was like, I don't want to work a desk. You know, I see my dad do that. He Mm -hmm. gave up his musical dream, went back and got a master's degree, you know, swung through the ropes, so to speak, just so he could try to provide for me and my sister. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because Mm -hmm my mom was like, she, she retired from the plant and you know, they, they did okay. But their thing was like, we want better for our children. So my dad, when he told me, yeah, I I put my sacks down because 60 bucks a night was not going to feed you (laughs) to put you in college. You know what I'm saying? Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: it, it didn't make sense until I think, uh, let's see, that was 1997 i graduated 97 it didn't start to make sense to me until um let's see was it modern drummer 2010 Mm -hmm. it finally hit me wait a minute my dad sacrificed his freaking dream bro you know what i'm saying To, to to help advance my life and career i was like and, and and still, even though I was like traveling a little bit, doing some drums, and calling myself a professional, it didn't hit me like, "Yo, I'm a. I need to be a professional. Like, I need to take this completely serious." You know what I'm saying? Were you because working? Were you like man, working
0: a day gig too? Like, be? T-
1: no. Yeah. 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 Because I ended up doing. I was a correctional officer for a while. I worked at Continental Airlines. Um, I managed McDonald's. I managed Arby's um you know lots of in and out jobs you know so um mechanical work a little a little it work very little bit on that so you know i've had my hands in a lot but it was just the the, the mentality that I'm, I'm speaking of mainly right you know about being a professional and what i thought was next or what i wanted to do and it just really didn't hit me till years later after some accomplishments and i remember my dad called me i think it was the stevie wonder gig where he actually said it on the phone, he was like, "Man, I'm like living my dream through you," and it brought me to tears, bro. I was just like, "Whoa!" Like I, I just, you know, my dad gave up his dream for me and my sister. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like that's crazy. Like I gotta, I gotta honor that. You know? I Did you feel like
0: you were kind it, of wasting? I don't want to say wasting your life, but wasting your talent or or. Like, what was the mindset that you had before? And then once you had that realization, like what, what shifted in your brain?
1: My mindset was like, don't be a bum, get a job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I like to eat, man. I like to work. You know, I, right. I like working. I like to stay focused. I didn't want to just be around doing nothing. Drums just wasn't primary. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like drums were always in my life and I made money on the side, sort to speak. Right. But it wasn't like, yo, this is what I do. Mhm. You know, so
3: mm-hmm.
1: it wasn't until moments like that where I was just like, yo, I got to I got to do it. Right. You know, I got to do it. Right. There there is no such thing as like anything else. Like I'm here, I'm at this point, you know, one thing I can't replace in life is time, so don't waste any more of it. You know, not that I purposely wasted it, but you know, let's let's get serious. Let's get focused. So that's right. where I was.
0: So talk. That's a really interesting thing to me because I did the same thing in 2011. Uh, so and this happened to you in 2010, happened to me in 2011. So I understand what you're saying. I was I grew up in the restaurant business, was working with my family. I was still playing and touring and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't like the full time thing. And I just woke up one day and was like, I don't want to do this anymore, and I I want to get serious. And so I I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear how you made that transition. Like, what was the mindset shift? Did you do things differently? Did you approach things differently? You know, how did you, did you change the way that you were thinking about things? Like, I'd love to, if we can, like unpack it a little bit and and walk down that road.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'll tell you the exact moment that I I was like, okay, this is it. I have to like go like 100, you know, 1,000. I was a correctional officer in Cleveland, uh, Ohio, uh, Correctional, it's called Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga County Correction Center, blah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was working third shift, um, you know, 12-hour shifts from like 6 PM to 6 a.m. And also sometimes I get hit with a four-hour extra, so that'd be like, you know, yeah, I'm just like, yo, I'm tired, like these 16-hour shifts are killing me, right? Um, but this is what it is. Here it is. I'm 22 years old, 21, 22. And I'm making like 20, I think I was making like $26 an hour at that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, man, this is a good job. I can retire from it. You know, yeah. like I said, I always, always want, I am thinking maybe this will be a good step for me to get into the service. You know, I can go from here, you know, that uh, type of
2: yeah. thing. So, yeah,
1: yeah. um, you know, I was like, well, let me let me rock it for a couple of years and move up and just move up in the race, pay my dues, so to speak, like any other thing in life. And I remember one time I was I was working the control room on our particular floor. You had what they call eight pods, right? A mm-hmm. pod. So there was eight of them. And there's like anywhere from 30 to 40 inmates uh, in the pod per pod on per floor, right? And there's like twelve floors in jail. Um so I'm in the I'm working in the control room today because your position switches every day. Mm-hmm. And the control room, I'm in charge of all doors on this floor. So I absolutely I have to constantly watch my my monitors behind me. You know, that's the elevators, everything. Like no one comes off the elevator unless I push a button. That's right. of say, right? Right, right, right. Except, this, except one particular elevator where I can see the, the, the monitor, but I have no control of it um, for safety reasons. And this is where they bring new inmates up through this one particular elevator. So I got on a tangent, man. Normally, they don't bring anybody after chow. Chow is like 5 p.m., right? Just mm-hmm. before uh, shift change. And they brought somebody up relate. It's just like 11 p.m., right? But I just happened to get on this rhythm tangent <laughs> in, the, uh, in the in in the the booth, and I'm like, I got the pins, and I'm charting this thing out. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. I think it was like, I, I want to say it was like this thing I was working in. Was it like 33-8 time signature or something? It was something stupid. I was like, whoa, that's crazy! <laughs> blah, 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 right? I'm so into this, and I didn't see my two- a jail sergeant and we had what we call, we called them the Ninja Turtles. They were the 13. Um, they were the only ones with the weapons and they, right. you know, extraction team and all that type of stuff. So they were like our special forces, blah, blah, blah. And all that was cool with all those guys. Cause I passed the test, but for some reason, you know, they had their quota. So I was on the list if, if somebody either quit or they needed another guy then I could move up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they denied me right off the bat because I was short, but I
0: passed the tennis anyway. So, anyway. story, story of my life, man. I get it.
1: <laughs> right.
0: right. I'm right there with right. you. I'm five seven if the humidity's right.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm five seven too. So, yeah. I'm.
0: Like, truth be told, I'm actually I'm actually like five six and and a quarter, but I go by five seven. I round up. Anyway, go ahead.
1: All right, we'll give it to you. We'll give it to I you. I appreciate. This guy. We'll give
0: it. I wear I wear tall shoes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what's up you were the air max
0: <laughs> yeah i've got pumped up i pump pump i need some Nike. i need right, some right. uh some reebok pumps i can pump them up
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly so um i'm in the booth i'm going ham right and we got like four team, two sergeants uh one of my co-workers and i can't remember exactly it was another sergeant i think it was the lead sergeant of both jails which is like the big boss, right? hmm They're all behind me. and I'm like going off, beating in the, on the thing, right? And finally, they knock on the door. And I turn around, and all these men were standing and looking at me. Even the inmate was like bobbing his head. He's like, yeah, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, snap. Like, I'm thinking, oh, crap, I'm fired, right? right. I'm completely fired. So, Sergeant knocks on the door with his flashlight on the window, and I clicked them in. You know, I did all the prep work, blah, 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 I got everybody in. And the the 13 guys, the Ninja Turtles, I know the last two, they walked by. he was like, Coleman, keep your head in the game. What's up? You know, and the one was laughing. He was shaking his head. He was like, boy, you're going to get fired. <laughs> I'm like, dang it. You know, I'm like, this is not a good impression, right? So um, they do their rounds. They get the, the, the inmate secured. They come back. And everybody goes in their separate ways except the head sergeant. He was really cool. He's one of those types of guys, no BS type of guys. But he, you could tell he was a nice guy, but he had to do his job. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So he he asked for clearance to come in the booth. So I cleared him to come in the booth. And it's just him and I in there and we're talking. And he's just casually talking, you know, keeping it cool. He started asking me questions. He was like, yeah, man, so what's your goals here? What's your dream? You know, what's, what, what's your, your end game here, you know? I'm like, uh, I didn't know how to answer that. Right after, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. I just drew a blank. Dude, he was like, it's "You're all like, right, I think it, uh, is this is this
0: me. the beginning of them of me getting fired?"
1: <laughs> right. I'm like, man, what a way to humble somebody. Right. 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 So, um, I basically didn't answer, and he's like, "Calm and relax." He's like, "You're a good guy. I know your record." He was like, "Honestly, um." He said, and speaking of your record, he said, you know, of course, you know, we do background checks on everybody that works here. He's like, come to find out you're quite the musician. And he was like, obviously from today's stunt, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, 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 it won't happen again. He's like, um, are you sure this is the place for you? Dude, that struck me like a knife through my heart, man, because I was like, what? He was like, he said, I see you here. You do a good job. He said, you know, the inmates respect you because you treat them like human beings, but they respect you because they know you'll do their, You know, they know you'll do your job.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you don't take any BS from them. And he says, you always have a peaceful day. He said, you know, we got cameras, right?
2: right. <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah. <laughs>
1: like, so he's like, seriously, man, he said, this may not be the job for you. He said, this may be something that you do well. He said, but obviously what your passion is, is music. And um he said, I just need you to think about that because I don't want you to be in a situation in here that you'll regret and then you can't operate at one hundred percent here because you're torn. Mm.
2: And I was just one like, foot in, one foot man, out. Like
1: this dude. Yeah. And he it, it and it was kinda like a father figure kind of conversation. Right. And yep. um I received it, man, and it messed with me for like the next three weeks three to four weeks. And during that time that's when the guitar center drum off was going on. And um I didn't sign up for it. My friends actually signed up for signed me up for it. I was like, man, I'm not getting in that. I'm not a competition type person. Like I just I love music for music. I was like I don't I didn't I didn't understand how big it was. I didn't understand what it could do and where it could lead to. My mm-hmm. I was just like I don't wanna do it, you know? And uh, long story short, I got involved with the competition during that time, ended up winning the Guitar Center Drum Off in 2001. And that was kind of the motivation for me to go, you know what, Sarge, you were right. So today I put in my 2 weeks notice, and, he, and I was like, I apologize. I know you made some moves and recommendations for me to move up. He said, oh, no need to apologize. He said, I actually respect you more because you're following your dream. He said, That's. He said, this was my dream, you know, to be in law enforcement in this capacity. He said, you know, this is, this is, the second phase of it. I already did my dream. So I respect you for following your dream and I wish you well. And he kind of like blessed me on the way out the door, you know?
2: Hmm.
1: And, um, that's really the point for me when I was like, okay, I got to do this full time. You
3: know, I went and got a loan
1: up on a bass, actually went to school for bass after the guitar center drum off. I didn't like do the whole pursue a drum career right away. I went to school in Atlanta Institute of Music for bass guitar.
0: So, Why is that? Uh,
1: for me, I I I was playing all instruments in church. I was just like playing around on them. I wasn't serious, but I started working with gospel producers early on in life. And one of my ultimate heroes and maybe you've heard his name through some other, you know, other drum artists who have done podcasts um his name is Joel Smith. He's like our gospel guru mm-hmm. as far as he's from the bass, Yeah. He's from Oakland. He's from the Bay Area.
2: Oh. Okay.
1: He's he's from the Hawk yeah, he's from the Hawkins family. Um, the Hawkins family is very, very uh pinnacle as far as like gospel music and a sound and shifting music in a certain direction.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, for a certain time and era. Their family music is huge, bro. Um, I'll recommend some records to listen to uh it's called love alive it's the name of the uh it was uh pastor walter hawkins love alive church they have a lot of recordings you can go to itunes and buy them all the love alive records a lot of all of those are like joel smith on drums and some of it also him on the bass on the same song so that's why i was like you know like whoa wait a minute this song was a hit and he's playing drums and bass on the same track i was like that's crazy right. <laughs> So he's just respected. He's as respected on bass as he is on drum. So, um, he was a, a huge influence in my huge influence in the gospel world. And, um, I wanted to write and produce music, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when I found out Chick Corea was a drummer first, like that tore me up. I was like, wait a minute. He played, I was like, nah, yeah, duh. No, <laughs> no wonder why he's so dope rhythmically. You right,
3: know what I'm saying?
1: Right. But I, I'm thinking, how did he get the melodic part? You know, yeah. I can understand the rhythm. And then that quest began. You know, mm-hmm. I, got, I went to school for a year at City College studying piano and, um, you know, orchestration and, and all that type of stuff. So, um, and then I went to school for bass guitar in Atlanta Institute of Music. And this is after Drummer's Collective in New York City, right after I graduated. So... <laughs>
0: It's time to design your dream kit. You have a sound and look in your mind's eye, and it's time to make that dream a reality. Your sound emerges from the choicest materials and is constructed using the exclusive Sonar Optimum shell measurement construction, utilizing slightly undersized shell diameters, allowing the drum head the space to float freely with unrestricted bearing edge contact. Your look emerges through the ultimate selection of veneers, hand-polished lacquers, and premium coverings to create the stunning look of your dreams. Design yours today at sq2-drumsystem.com. I think it's such a smart thing to learn some sort of melodic instrument, even if you're not even, even if you're not like you're not going to play live or in the studio or something, but at least have some sort of working knowledge of chord progression, chord structure, you know, hearing changes through tunes, you know, learning, learning melody. And, and I just think it's, it's really good for any drummer to do that.
1: I totally agree, bro. Totally agree. So
0: the one thing that you said that you said that, you know, you decided to do this and you started going full time, but in 2010, you you were still playing a lot of music, but you still weren't doing it full time even then. Right.
1: In my mindset, the reason why I say that is because I always knew I could go get a nine to five, you right. know, the, the manager, uh, the managing, uh, skills in, you know, my, uh, resume. I could still go get a job, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I even still wanted to go to ITT tech, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I still wanted to go to mechanical school. I I've always wanted to go uh, to culinary school. You know, these I still had other dreams. And and the reason why I say two thousand ten was because right after I worked with Prince um for that record in two thousand ten, I learned so So much from him, man. Like, I'd worked with quite a few artists.
0: Which which record was that? Was that Musicology?
1: No, it never came out. It's with me and Uh, Paul Wickenfield. We're kind of like the core foundation of it. Okay. Um, So scheduling things came into play, and things didn't come together at the very last minute. The record was done. It was like, he said it was 80% mixed when he flew us out the second time for the listening party but I don't know what happened between then and there of somebody could make it. Some things didn't happen or whatever. Right. And next thing you know, we're not touring. Although I, I flew back after that, that particular moment, I flew back like another two times and recorded like another, like four to seven tracks. I don't know where they went, but after that, it was like, I didn't see them anymore. So,
3: right. Right.
1: um, and then I was bummed. And I find out for some other people, like, oh, that's what he does. That's all he does. He he has enough music. He could put out a new record every day for, like, five years straight.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I've heard <laughs>
3: that. It.
0: I've heard pretty- that. So let's, I want to, yeah, uh, and I yeah. know that we're bouncing around a lot because it's my fault because I'm asking, you know, random questions, but let's talk about the mindset right. shift. Like you were saying, let's talk about that. Cause I want to talk about prints. I want to talk about how you sort of, you know, started getting really full-time, not worrying about plan B, you know, working with Beck, like you're working now, all that stuff. Like, but let's, let's rewind right. and get, let's get to that point, with that mindset shift, because I think that's really important because I think that there's a lot of listeners who, arts maybe there who are sort of playing kind of full-time, maybe sort of working a day gig, ha- kind of have like one foot in, one foot out. And and I, be- right. I, I truly believe that it's a mindset thing and less of like less of a, a talent skill connections thing. I really think it's a mindset shift. So can you talk about that and talk about like how, what mind shift, what mind shift uh, changes you made or mindset shifts that you uh-huh. made, and then also like if there's actual tactical things that you suggest that people do
1: honestly, bro, it's one thousand percent mindset it's It's really nothing else once you set your mind, then everything else, spiritually, mentally, mostly, physically, and financially, will follow Mhm you know um, for me, up until that point you know i i moved to la in 2006 and i mean it it was like it was you talking about like you know <laughs> trenching through the mud from from high school up to 2006 <laughs> that's really what life was for me just trenching through the mud and i got to i almost didn't move to california cuz i was really like pissed off like just just mad at the world and mad at life, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like blaming that, you know, playing I the blame there. game, all that
2: kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, all of it. I mean, whether you vocalize it or not, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I went through all of that. I get there in 2006, a friend of mine was like, he kept saying, yo, man, you need to be, and it's funny, I think it's the same friend that signed me up for the guitar center drum off 10 years previous hmm. or five years previous, you know, that type of thing.
2: Right. But anyways,
1: um, I I'm 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 in this phase where I get there in two thousand six and all of a sudden I went from zero to one hundred in almost three months. Like it was night and day from zero to I'm playing with three to five different artists. I'm never home. I got an apartment, there's dust on my flat screen T V because I'm never here. Right. (laughs) You know, because I'm always working. And I was like, you know, you get, it's like when you don't have something for so long and then you get it, you don't want to let it go. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, I never said no. I was like sick. I was, I mean, I was flying anywhere from 125,000 miles to 200,000 miles a year. How do I know this to be true? Because I made Delta Diamond status for like six years straight. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to have a hundred, you have to fly 125,000 miles in order to get that. Right. Um, I'm right now I'm forty thousand miles away from a million mile status. So Jeez. it it's the thing of I was never saying no. Whoever called, whatever gig. I mean, I had like nine shows in my head at one point in time. I like I had to sit down when I was trying to play my Xbox and I was like, No wonder why I can't play this simple game that I've already beaten three times. I'm just like, dude, I got too much him going on <laughs> You know? <laughs> and I was like in this mode of like how do I exit this without destroying it? Do you mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that was around 2009, the end of 2009. And I got a phone call um, from Tall because we had met up a couple days previous to that. And she was like, hey, I got this situation. You know, one thing led to another. I'm out with Prince. We're playing. Like, I'm sitting here looking at this dude, talking with this dude, And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me, right? What molded me over was his independency, his whole mentality about being independent. I mean, to be in this huge place of Paisley Park, and he's like the only one here. If you see the place, you would think he has like a million staffers, you know, this, 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 Walker. No, right. it's like he, he would be there alone sometimes, you know. And there's like, there's not that kind of traffic. But yet he's always recording, always doing something. And I'm like, man, this is so inspiring, right? You know, to have your own, to have, you can get up, come downstairs and record in the best, one of the best studios in the world, you right, know what I'm saying? Right, and go right, back right. to sleep or or have some pea soup that he liked to eat, right. <laughs> you know? And, and just listening to him talk, man. Now, imagine from 2006 to 2009, I've been blessed to rock with a lot of different artists you know, at that point, it was probably about almost 45 different artists in the span of that time. And i had been on lots of different stages from TVs to clubs, you know, um, lots of different situations, lots of different genres, lots of different, you know, stories. Here it is, I get with him, everything seemed to just kind of, you ever been in a plane where you're, you're, you're coasting and all of a sudden, it's like the engine stops and it seems like you're floating.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: That's what it was when I started working with him. It was just kind of like this this pause in my life, in my career. And it was kind of like an evaluation, you know? Like, look at yourself. Look at what you're Because he even said it. He was like, do you play, you know? <laughs> Hold on, I got to get in my Prince voice. He uh, like, yeah. was with... <laughs> like, do you play with a lot of artists? And I was like, "Yeah, I'm working quite a bit. You know, I'm, I'm I'm blessed. Some you may know, some you may not. You know." And he's like, "That that's good, but do you rest?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Wow, like you're a Prince, like <laughs> you're asking me if I rest." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, "What the fudge?" Like, like, I I never had an artist talk to me like this. I kind of it's like. I know I'm nowhere where you are, but it's like you're talking to me as if I'm here. And I said that to him just like that. And he said, but you are here. And he was just like, whoa, like this is some other right now, you know? Right. And what I took from that whole situation was, bro, you got to take care of yourself, man. Like music is music and the industry is the industry. And things are great. Relationships are great. But at the same time, none of it is worth your peace.
3: Right. Uh <laughs> you know So you, you
1: have you know? Yeah. So you have to find your balance.
2: Mhm.
1: And he, that's really what I learned from him. You have to find your personal balance and you have to honor relationships that are real. Yeah. That yeah. that's what and I, I felt like he it was kinda like a father a father figure type conversation you Mm -hmm. know and i was like man this is wisdom bro he was kicking wisdom even though it was fun to play with him i mean that speaks for itself but the wisdom i got from that and i feel like after that that's when everything changed man because my son uh he was born in 2010 so life had to change for me you know right right i had to start focusing on a lot of different things and ever since then it's been more of CRC Global, LLC, as opposed to Chris Coleman, just the drummer. Do you understand what I'm saying? I
0: totally understand what you're saying. Totally understand what you're saying.
1: Now, as far as the mindset, it just, it it gets to a point where when you just, it, it's like a life thing. Like you said, man, I'm, I'm working these jobs with my family in these restaurants. I don't want to do it anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, the
1: moment you say you don't want to do it, then you're open to what you really want to do. And I'm the type of person, if you really want to do something, then you'll learn because you understand that you don't know how to get it done right away.
0: Right. <laughs> so I, you know, I think that's such a, you're gonna do, that's a hard lesson. don't you, you know, it's like, all right, I want to do this thing. I don't know how to do it. And it's like, well, figure it out. Like when I started podcasting, I didn't know how to start and grow a podcast. I know nothing about it, you know? And, exactly. And you have two choices, learn or don't try it. And you can wake up when you're 70 and regret it.
1: Right. (laughs) For me, it was learn or don't eat. I was like, man, I'm about to learn because I love to eat. (laughs)
3: Yeah, me too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, yeah, you're right, though. You're completely right. It it, it is. But my thing is this. Einstein said it best, and I love this about him. Man, I wish certain people I could go back in history and, and have a moment like Prince you know, if I can have more moments with him. Um, when he said, he said, man, out of a hundred times, I got it wrong. 99, you know, 99. yeah." And it's the one time I got it right. But I'm actually grateful for the 99 because that's where I learned other stuff. Right. In spite of the one thing I got right. Yep. <laughs> you yeah. Know yeah. What I'm saying? He said, I got one thing right, but I learned 67 other things that, that, that helped me in uh-huh. other areas. And it's like, If you're not willing, if you're not willing to fail or fall, then you're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. You'll always be, you'll always be technically, you know, I I can kind of sum it up as working for somebody else. Yeah. You know?
0: Yep. Are you ready for your first kit or are you a teacher with beginning drum students? The all new Mapex Venus series complete drum kit presents an all inclusive setup for the first time player ready to start that drummer for life adventure. Mapex is dedicating to produce exactly what drummers need to succeed at all levels. And Venus starts the young and hungry player with a five piece shell pack, complete with a matching snare drum and outfitted with a complete set of stands and pedals, cymbals and a drummer's throne and even their first pair of drumsticks, all at an affordable price. Contact your favorite Mapex retailer to find out more. With Mapex Venus Series, you can start here and arrive anywhere on your adventure to become a drummer for life. Promark is more than just a pair of sticks. It's the inspiration for all drummers to break the barriers of convention and make their mark. And Promark is challenging players of all kinds to discover what makes their drumming unique and show your stripes. Use the hashtag showyourstripesDR on Instagram to share your own special performance, a photo of your kit, or whatever you feel sets you apart as a drummer. The best submissions will be included in a brand new Promark official stripes ad spot. Be sure to follow at PromarkSticks on Instagram to stay in the loop with all the exciting things they have in store this year. Promark, the official stripes of making your mark. And it's, you know, I think that, that it's difficult to keep that in mind that you can go out and you can do what you want to do. And I remember I had a, I had a conversation with, um, uh, oh my God, why can't I think of his name? Um, I can't believe I'm blanking.
2: It happens to me all the time.
0: Oh, man. Time. Uh, no, oh, it Gerald, uh, Gerald Hayward, J- <laughs> Gerald Hayward. Sorry. Okay, I'm yeah. like, like, how did I forget his name? Um, and we had a conversation about. About being a professional drummer and being a, you know, being a touring guy, you know, going on the road, doing sessions, all that stuff. And an eye opening thing that he said was like, you know, not everyone is made to play with a list celebrities and tour 250 days a year. That may not be your thing, but that doesn't mean that, like, it's either that or go work as an accountant when you don't want to. And there's a lot of stuff that you can do in between that thing. So just figuring out exactly what you want to do, what you're good at, where those things intersect. Like if you can find something that you're good at and you enjoy doing, then you should be all in on that and go do it. And it's exactly and it's scary and and you know I always I always say that the biggest mistake that we can make is to think that we work for anyone other than ourselves. You know, cause at the end of the day, That's true. there's only one person in the box at the end when you're done and it's you. So, so taking that jump, uh, you know, taking that leap is, is hard. And, and I think you and I both know it because we've both done it. Um, but so do you have any, do you have any advice of dealing with that failure or that fear of failure or jumping or, you know, and I'm not saying people take stupid, uncalculated risks and just, you know. Have have a wife, two kids, and a mortgage, and they have a job that pays them one hundred fifty grand a year. And tomorrow they're like, "I quit. I'm going to go play drums full time." You know?
1: Yeah, you'd have to set yourself up. First of all, I feel like you're blessed if you're making a. It's it's 2018, man. Let's just be real. In America, you're making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year you're doing okay. That's not great nowadays, you know, especially right. with the cost of living, but you're doing okay, better than most. So mm-hmm. set yourself up and wean yourself off of it, you know, and don't create a situation where you're forced out because the last thing you want is cold turkey. It's like you, you've been living a 150 lifestyle, you mm-hmm. know, and now you've got to go down to a 20 lifestyle until you can get it up to 150. You know
2: right. what I'm saying? Right. So you got to you know, you gotta
1: be, real, gotta be real with people. Yeah, you got to be real with yourself. It's like if you if you know, unless you know, hey man, I'm leaving this hundred fifty thousand IT job, you know, and I'm jumping on with Nickelback, like, <laughs> <laughs> like right away. Come on, man, that's just it, it, if it ain't happening like that, then you know <laughs> you're gonna have to be wise about it.
2: You know? Right, right. But
1: right. my my thing that I I would say is approach it as a career. Um, I had a a very wise mentor say to me, um, he said, man, because I met him at a clinic, and I was like, I'm talking to him about the records he did. I'm talking about the music he played. And there were guys behind me getting mad at me because they thought I kept asking questions. It wasn't that. He He got excited because I'm asking him about music and not drums right <laughs> and he after the clinic he asked me he said because somebody finally spoke up was like hey man we want to be able to go home too and i was like oh, i'm like oh, i'm caught in the middle you know mm-hmm. i can feel these people breathing down my neck like move the heck out the way so i can get my picture and my mentor sitting here like giving me nuggets bro <laughs> i'm like ah oh, <laughs> you know so he says give me a sec." he said stand over here give me a second so he finished everybody and I waited. I waited till he was done. Dude, we ended up going out to eat. <laughs> nice. Everything we talked about, everything. I wanted to know about records. What was the approach? Like, how did you catch that music? And, you know, and at the end of it, you know what he said to me? He said, man, that was so refreshing. He said, it's been a pleasure meeting you. He said, and thank you so much for um, asking me about music and not drum stuff. He said, don't get me wrong. I love these clinics. He said, but the mentality nowadays is that the clinic is what makes you. He was like, no, people ask me to do clinics because they wanted to hear me because they always hear me play with somebody else. So they now they want to listen to
2: me. Right. There's
1: a reason why my name is what it is. And that stuck with me forever. And I was just like, man, I need to make like a career out of this, not just a drum moment. Does that make sense?
0: It totally makes sense. Totally makes sense.
1: And that's my encouragement, especially to the young generation, because I get it all the time. I am so not saying, I don't want you to do clinics or you can't do that. But (laughs) life and evolution happens. You're hot now. You won't be hot forever. (laughs) Right. You know, let's just be real. Nobody stays hot forever. (laughs) What else are you going to do? Exactly. What else are you going to do with this? You know? And that's why I've always been you know, as much as I am eager and excited about education and I look at clinics as, as, as an educational uh, ops, uh, moment for me, um, as much as I'm excited about that, I want to go apply what I just taught.
3: <laughs> right. You know, right.
1: And I have to be in a musical situation, making music with people like that's my focus. I want to make music because at the end of the day, sounds and cha- you know. Drumming themes will will change. Like this is hot for now, but what is it going to be in you know five years, ten years? It's like you know if you're in the music industry, you'll you hear it, you'll feel it, you'll know when it shifts because the music is changing. Right. You know.
3: Hmm.
1: Hmm. So yeah, man, I, that's my advice, man. Just tr- treat it as a career, you know, and not just a moment.
0: Right. Right. And everybody thinks, oh man, if I, if I want to work at this thing, if I want to try to build this career or build this, you know, this business and music or whatever it is, it's going to take so long. It may take three years or five years. And my advice is the five years are going to pass either way, whether you're working on it or not. So you might as well just work on it. And in five years, let's see where you're at.
1: Exactly. Maximize all those moments. Mm
2: -hmm. Every
1: last one of them, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because my my grandmama used to say to me all the time, she used to say to me, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. And one day I said, Grandmama, what does that really mean? I remember I was young. <laughs> and she said, she looked at me. She said, she says, hmm. So. She actually put a few eggs in this little bag. Right. And she says and it was a Ziploc bag. And it was like. Four eggs. It was already busting out of the seams. It was a real small bat. She says, hold it as tight as you can. And then she's having me clean up throughout the day, not noticing all of my eggs were busted. Now, my <laughs> grandmama's smart. She hid the rest of the eggs. She hid the rest of the eggs in the bedroom. I didn't know that. So I was like, grandmama, all the eggs busted, right? And she's like, that's all our eggs, baby. <laughs> she's like, what are you going to do? Because you said you wanted eggs this morning. I'm like, grandma, what are we going to do? I'm freaking out. Like, <laughs> Cause I love my grandmother's eggs, man. Her eggs and bacon was killing. And, uh, I'm freaking out. Like I'm, I'm more hurt. Cause I'm thinking, Oh, I didn't broke all my grandmother's eggs. And then she looked at me and she was like, this is why I say never put all your eggs in one basket. And she told my grandfather to go in the room and get the rest of them. <laughs> and I was like, ah, I get it. Like I get it. It's right. like, And what does that mean in this situation? It's just like, if you were just hoping for, you know, just a clinic career, uh, be really careful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Putting all of your eggs in one basket, because when that's done and you've created a 100 lifestyle, what are you going to do when that's not flowing at 100? Right. You're going to have problems, you know, so. I've always tried to be as diverse as I could, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. and I I try to preach that as much as possible too. you know, touring. And, you know, if you want to go tour, tour, but have some other irons in the fire, understand that the, the phone may not ring for a while, understand that you need multiple sources of, of revenue. And even, you know, even if you're not doing this full time, if you're a weekend warrior or you're someone, you know, who plays every once in a while, there's always different ways to you know, to get more gigs or generate more income, but with your, with your playing, you know, whether it be teaching or, you know, my thing is I if you don't enjoy teaching, then I don't think you should do it just for the money. But like, there's a lot of guys who enjoy teaching. If you could teach a couple of lessons a week and, and, you know, play on the weekends and have your it job, you know, you can, you can put together a nice little living and get some, get some, uh, or have a lot of fun out there playing as well. So, you know,
1: yeah, for diversifying. Sure, for sure man.
0: I wanted to ask yeah, you I wanted to ask you about all of these it seems like you have a lot of different interests right you had mentioned that you have an interest for for jets and flying and are you still into aviation Cause i'm i i'm a gigantic plane nut so that's why i'm asking
1: Oh yeah i i'm once i get everything settled here um with my living and some some other stuff uh with the family I'm going to go for my pilot's
0: license. Nice. Nice. That's what I want to do too. So with all of these, with all of these things that you're interested in, right? So you're, you're, it's drumming, but then you have all these other ancillary things. Where do you stand in terms of what you're going to do as a career? Are you open to maybe not necessarily playing drums full time for the rest of your life because I, and the reason why I asked is I struggled with this for a long time because I have other interests too so I love drumming I love music I love putting out this podcast I love touring all that stuff but there's a, I love a lot of other things and I've always struggled with doing other things and not being able to say that this is all I do and I struggled with that for a long time got over it finally uh, but I'm, I'm interested to see where you stand on that sort of thing.
1: Well, one thing that I had to ask myself some real hard questions, you know, which are the questions you're asking. And every time I thought about, can I put the drums down? Dude, I was, I couldn't sleep. I was sick,
2: right?
1: <laughs> you know, like laying in the bed, looking at the ceiling, like, and I'm just like, okay, no, obviously I can, I felt like I was giving up, you know? And I'm like, well, what am I really searching for? I was like, you know what it is? I said, I said maybe I'm not I'm not aiming high enough because sometimes that's what it could be. You know, it's like your soul, your heart that it knows where. It's like it, it's almost like it knows where your destiny is, but you're just not connected to everything and all the doors open to just get to it right now. Right. But the thing is, that's well, that's why you can't give up. Right. You understand? Because it's like your heart will connect you to your destiny. The only thing in your way is your mind.
0: Right. <laughs> and, you know, you know? my wife hey, always man. says that God doesn't put all of these desires in your heart if he doesn't plan on fulfilling them.
1: Yeah, there's a or, or you know, to to keep it um, balanced. You know, there's a such thing as a balance. Um, he has a purpose for those they may not exactly happen exactly like you see them because there's been things that have happened. It was nowhere near what I want, how I thought happening, but it happened. And I had to look back and go, well, I'm grateful, but that sure wasn't the way I thought, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. But it happened. So um I- I'm saying that to say, you know, uh, it- it's it's like, music is in my, my life, in my soul, it's in my blood. And it's like, well, what if I'm writing music? What if I have my own band? Then that means I can travel when I want to, you know what I'm saying? I'll Mm -hmm. have more control over when I go, when I don't go out, you know, that type of thing. Um, Because I do want to get into some other stuff so I can govern my time accordingly. And I was like, huh, that sounds like, and then all of a sudden, I had this ultimate piece. At first, I was thinking, man, I'm gonna have to put down the sticks because I'm gonna have to play for someone, and I won't always want to do that, or I always can't do that because I have to do other. I want to devote time to other things. But what if I'm playing drums for my own band? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's different, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm on my own schedule, you know. Right. Right now. Right. Um, I'm in a transition. I'm, I'm this kind of like fell in my lap. I didn't, I can't say that I was gunning for this when I got an email uh, to come audition for Beck. I thought it was a cool thing. I was like, Oh, heck yeah. Beck is definitely somebody that I would like to, you know, mingle with, you know? And, you know, I did the audition and, you know, one thing led to another. Here it is. I got the gig. What I'm excited about and the reason why I'm there is number one, he's allowing me in this space. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that. I'm learning a lot from him. Um, I'm having fun playing the music and everybody in the band kind of has their own thing too. I'm like, oh man, this is kind of a cool situation. You know,
3: right. this guy's got his
1: own production. He's got his own production. She's got her own production and they do this thing on their own. And, you know, he travels with him. And he, I'm just like, wow. this is... So I have space to do my own thing in addition to play with and work with him you know I'm like man this is beautiful so I'm even again reshifting things right (laughs) you know just like I'm trying to maximize every opportunity I'm I'm, I don't really have a motive behind playing for him I'm just grateful that I I have the opportunity to play with him
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I guess my you know I was thinking the idea of if you have interests outside of music, would you pursue those interests? And I guess, I guess it would be trying to juggle music and those other interests, right? Because if if you don't want to give up music, yeah. if you don't want to, if you always want that to be part of your life, I'm the same way. It's like even if I went into, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, IT or so, you know what I mean? Like whatever, I would still, I would still have to continue playing drums, uh, but I, I, it's always, I always like asking the question of whether or not people are willing to do other things, something else full time and play drums part time uh, because they want to go well, down another road or pursue something else.
1: Right. Well, that's, that's what I was saying for me. I did think about that. You know, I was like at the point of, man, can I give up the drums? And I was like sick thinking about the thought that I couldn't. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but reality is, if I'm gonna play drums behind artists, I'm on their time, not mine. Mm -hmm. I'm at their call. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And that, which means I, I can't plan what I want to do for me. You know, whether it's uh, culinary school or franchising or you know, being a pilot or something along that lines, I can't do any of that or martial arts that type of stuff. So I can't do any of that if I'm always at the beckoning call of an artist. And I'm like, well, what if I'm my own artist? Yep. That means I can do it at my leisure. You see what I'm saying? On my totally, time and still totally. fulfill the other desires. So that's where I am right now. I'm just, I'm still writing music. I'm getting ready to, um, you know, start the whole recording process uh, pretty soon. I'm just like, that's what's next for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, to be able to do all of these things and still you know evolve <laughs> right still grow and still have fun right. so that that like i said i do i i do agree with you and and yeah i i couldn't answer that question as a yes i was like i can't give it up like it, you know it's like you what your wife is saying is like god didn't give you the desires for drumming me the desire for drumming for nothing it does it serves a huge purpose in my life right you know what I'm saying? right so Right for me to for me to quit is to for me personally for me to quit is to give up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, as opposed to see it through. Right. Does that make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And I like the idea of you know I don't even know if it's balance, but it's it's integration. You know, like how can I integrate? You know, you know, being a pilot and playing drums. How can I integrate that into my life? How does that? How is that going to work? You know, or whatever it is, franchising or culinary school or you know, with me owning restaurants or whatever it is, it's like, how can I how can I do both? And I and I my thing with the podcast is I keep I want to continue to I always say this, but change the narrative of what it means to be a successful drummer, you know, so like you can you can own a restaurant, be a pilot and play 100 dates a year and still be considered a successful drummer.
1: Yeah, it's possible, man.
0: Yeah. It's
1: so possible, bro.
0: And I get I, it's, it's crazy. I get a lot of emails that people asking me, they're like, okay, I want to, I want to be, I want to work in music and I don't know exactly what I want to do. And they're like, can you help me? And I'm like, man, that's such a loaded question (laughs) I'm like, I, you know, I don't, I don't even know where to, I don't even know where to start with that, with that question or, you know, how to answer because it's all circumstantial. And I think a lot of guys are like, maybe, you know, they haven't, they don't have the touring experience or they don't have a lot of, a lot of contacts or, or whatever it is, but I always think just find whatever you're good at, find the stuff that's interesting. Like there's no job called the music business. So you either got to be a drummer or you got to be a producer or you can be an accountant for a record label or whatever it is. It's like find what you're good at, develop whatever skills you need to have to do that job and then go apply just like you would apply at McDonald's or Facebook or anywhere else. Exactly, you know,
1: and uh, it was something you said earlier, you know, based upon what Uncle Juro said, I call him Uncle Juro, he hates that, <laughs> but um <laughs> uh, you know it that may not be for you, but that doesn't mean you can't be successful, so you you have to you have to allow yourself y you, you, oh God, it's almost like you have to override what society says is successful, really, that's really to me where the problem is, is when you follow su- society, you know, right. and you know social will tell you, um, in order to be successful, you have to tour with Christine Aguilera.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's not true. I know drummers <laughs> who make more money than the tour guy, you know, at home.
3: Right. Right.
1: <laughs> you know, playing on electric uh, on rolling kids mm-hmm. like way more money. There so are plenty of guys who successful.
0: don't want to play with, a, with Christine Aguilera or whatever, or ABC artists.
1: exactly Right. And there's nothing wrong with playing with Christine Aguilera, but why are we saying that is the only way to be successful? That's my issue. Mm-hmm. How about we just say, man, do what you got to do and be the best at it.
3: Right, and be happy.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, and be happy. So, yeah, man.
0: I I agree. There's such a it's a stigma that, that it's like, if you don't do this or do, cause you know, and people have even come to me and they're like, well, well, like what big tours have you done? And I'm like, well, I built my own band and toured for 15 years, which was amazing. And it made me happy. And then I played with all the people I wanted to play with. I mean, maybe not all of them. Like I wanted to play with Prince and Steely Dan, but like, you know, for, by and large, I'm like, I played with the guys. I still play with the guys that I want to work with. I'm like, I'm, I'm cool with where right. I'm at. I don't want to go. I don't want to go on tour with the next pop artist. Like that, you know that I'm just not. It's just not my thing. So right. I'm, I'm cool with that, <laughs> you know. And I think that, like you said, if you're not on tour with Christine Aguilera, they're like, oh, you're not. You know, you're not successful.
1: Yeah, uh, and I'm just like, I was <laughs> like, what? Like, I mean, how are you defining success? Because this guy just bought a Lamborghini. Right, <laughs> <laughs> like that. Um, something's not right. Money's not everything. But wait a minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, he's nobody. Oh okay, well he just bought a six-figure car. Right. What are you talking? I Seven
2: think he. I, car. I think he's doing money?
0: okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I'd rather trade this fame for his mediocre. If that's
0: the case. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm cool with that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I, that's my, you know, my take on it. I'm just like, let it go, man. And uh, it, it's it's nerve-wracking because some of my students were caught up into that. And I know what it is. You live in one central location and, and it's like everybody's fighting and clawing for the same thing. Of course, it creates competition. And I'm like, man, don't let this competition kill you right. in the process. You know what I'm saying?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, mhm. Yeah, man, it's it, it, it's it's tricky, but it can be simplified, though. That's where I'm at. Say that again. I said it's tricky, but it can be simplified. And I think some of those conversations I had with Prince and just watching how he governed himself during that time helped me to see that. Like, wow, this dude set himself up, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Set himself up to be independent. And. He just oh god, he, he's hilarious, bro. He just he's so funny about how he views the music industry. For him, it's just like man, I put out a record when I'm inspired, not because I'm on a deadline, right? You know that mm-hmm. type of stuff. I'm just like oh god, like wow, it's just nice to hear that. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so nice to hear that. So
0: there's something to be said about having having control of your life making the choices that you want to make and, and dictating what direction you're going to head in on a daily basis. You know, like I've always said, like, I'm not, I'm not prepared to let someone else dictate the way I live my life. I can't do it. It's, it's just an impossibility. And unfortunately, a lot of us go through life sort of on autopilot and, you know, they're, they're not, they're passively living life and not actively living life. So they're not making the decisions that they want to make. They're not pursuing the things that they want to do. They're not, you know, they're not uh, making the changes that they want to make or making the progress that they want to make. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's that we feel like we can't do it, if it's a feel or failure, if we feel like, you know, we don't, or there's self-esteem or I, I'm not quite sure why we don't all sort of take control and, and go after the things that we want. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, you know, it's something, it's two things you said that I feel that it's a combination of both. That is the source of why we don't, I won't say it's all, I'm not going to say it's all like 100% the reason why, but it's a good 60 to 70%. And that is the combination of fear and isolation. First of all, it's the fear of failure. And the last thing I want to do is feel alone in an industry. You know, how mm-hmm. many times have you felt alone when you didn't get the gig because these guys are cool, you know, and you're an outsider? Right. Like, that sucks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but instead of looking at it from a fearful standpoint, why don't you look at it as a, from a positive? Because sometimes that's the case. It's like, you don't fit in for a reason. <laughs> You know, eagles don't soar with all the other birds. They're they're able to soar higher than any other bird. You know, that's right. And then they win. And then they they win Super
0: Bowls. Sorry. (laughs) I'm an Eagles fan. I had to get that in there. I'm sorry. All right, go ahead.
1: Me too. Oh, are you guys? Yeah, I I have to put my dime in. For me, it was anybody beat Tom Brady. Am I happy? I respect him. Yeah, but it's like. You guys have made this dude out to be God, and he's not. Right, the eagle just pounced on. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So. Yeah.
0: so go ahead. I'm sorry though. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. You. Yeah. No, it's all
1: good. It's all good. <laughs> but it's like it's the thing of you know if you're an eagle man, you soar alone, and you have to be comfortable in your own skin. You know, you're supposed to make ways, not follow them. Yep. You know that type yep. of thing. You and a lot of people are stuck because they don't. They're fearful of being isolated, mm-hmm. you know it's like they're you know afraid and i and I think I was going through that up until two thousand ten. you know you wanted to be in the in crowds, you wanted to be accepted, who doesn't, especially in the music industry,
3: of course, but it
1: just got to the point after being with with prince i was he he basically taught me without teaching me like bro, follow you
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> not in a selfish way, not not some self-vainglory you know type thing it's the thing of follow your dreams follow your gut
3: right follow
1: what what's peaceful for you because your heart ultimately is trying to get you to your destiny right but you in your mind because of what you hear and what you see it's holding it back
0: Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it goes back to what you said it's a thousand percent mindset you know
1: a thousand percent mindset Because once you agree, then things that you go, oh, man, I'm going to suffer or that's a sacrifice. No, it ain't a sacrifice. It's just something that you got to do. Right. You know? If you say, man, I'm going to be, as an example, I'm going to be the fastest drummer in the world. Well, to play at 190 BPM for 40 minutes every day is not a sacrifice. It's what you must do. Right. And it's not, I look (laughs) at it like
0: you're not when like uh, instead of using the word sacrifice, because sacrifice to me is a negative word. So I look at it. I'm not sacrificing. I'm not losing something. I'm gaining something. So think about all of what I think of what I get. Think of what, like if you go on a diet because you need to lose weight, I don't think, man, I'm sacrificing all of this food that I want to eat. I'm like, I'm gaining health. I'm gaining, you know, fitness. I'm gaining feeling better. That's all the stuff that I'm gaining. So to me, it's not a sacrifice it's i'm I'm waking out, I'm actually like, oh, this is like this is almost unfair, like I'm getting all this good stuff, you know
1: right, and it's funny, it's like eagles can connect with eagles, there are rare moments where they will hunt together,
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: rare moments, and I feel like this is like an eagle conversation and and am i am I saying we're the best? No, it's just two people who decided to. To click into that, you know, to click right. into that mentality. Right. And the thing is, put yourself back before you did it, just like so many others um, that my heart goes out to in those moments. You're, it's the peer pressure. You don't want to feel like you're isolated. You don't want to cut yourself out of the circle and say, hey, man, everybody else is doing this. I don't want to do this. Deep down in my heart, I don't want to do this, but I'm doing it because what? I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> You yep. know what I'm saying? And I'm going to be isolated. I'm afraid that I'm be ousted. Yep. And it's like, man, that could be the best thing for you. Kick you out of the nest, make you fly on your own.
0: Mm-hmm. And to piggyback on what you're saying, I remember specifically for me when I was like, I'm going to leave the restaurant and I'm going to I'm just going to do music. And my fear was. What hap I don't I don't mind the hard work. I don't care about that. I don't care how long it's gonna take. My fear was what happens if I work 15 hours a day and I go, you know, I tell everyone that this is what I'm gonna do and I work at it for the next 10 years and I fail. What is everyone gonna say about me? What is everyone going to say behind my back? You know, they're gonna laugh at me, they're gonna ridicule me, and that was the thing that was that held me back for so long it was just like caring about what other people thought and 99.9% of the time that is unfounded fear because most of the people are are cheering you on and, and want you to do well not want you to fail and the people that do want you to fail who cares about them you know and if you work hard enough at it you put the work in you dedicate to it you put it out there that you're going to do it it ends up happening you know
1: and it's sometimes man and there's a part of my personality in the aspect of perfectionist. Am I saying I'm a per I'm perfect. No, it's just, I'm always, you know, trying to perfect something or the details. Like I don't, I'm such a detail person. Like, I mean, it's borderline OCD. Mm-hmm. I'm to the point where if they call it OCD, okay, fine. I'll gladly accept it as long as I get the result. <laughs> you know, but it's the thing with me that sometimes you can be early, bro. Timing is everything. You know, we're drummers. We should know that, right? right? (laughs) You know, crash, come in with the field too early and in late or in in early or, you know, start late. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it messes up everything. And and I'm saying that it goes the same way for your destiny. Sometimes you can finish a season too fast or finish it faster. And you got to wait till the next door opens. It's like, sometimes that's happened to me because I'm like, Man, why do I feel like I'm sitting still? And through much prayer, it's kind of like a revelation. Like, yeah, you are. You're here earlier than expected.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> what? Like, oh. Uh. So <laughs> don't do nothing stupid. Stay focused. Right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't do anything stupid and, and blow the door. Or, or, you know, the, the the definition of success is when preparation meets opportunity. I love that. It's like, you've done all this prep. You've done all this prepping, you've done all this preparing, and then you do something stupid, and then you miss the window of opportunity. That's not success, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yep. So, for prepar- yeah, man, It's it's, uh, it's it's just one of those things where I just say, you know what? Just live, man. Live. Mm-hmm. I mean, strive, work hard, strive for perfection, strive for greatness in everything you do, but at the same time, seek balance equally seek balance. What is balance? Did I eat today? What am I eating? Did I get enough sleep? Did I drink enough water? Like just thinking along those lines helps you balancing out. It's like, man, I didn't, what have I been doing? Let me get out from under this pro tool screen. So I don't go blind. Right. (laughs) You know, 16 (laughs) hours a day. It's like, go say hi to your son or, you know, go, Go for a bike ride, get some air, you know, that type of thing. Put the sticks down for an hour because you can't get this 316 rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Like don't, don't launch the sticks. Just sit them down and go do something else. Go kiss your wife. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm with you, man. I, I, uh, I think that is some, some sage advice. And I think that's a great, a great place to stop, man. I think that, that we have to put a bow on it. I think we've, sort of dispelled the rumors that that you have to do all of this stuff that you don't want to do. Granted, you have to do some things that may suck and you're not going to want to do. But by and large, you work for yourself. You can make the decisions to change the course of your life. You can make the decisions to go pursue the things that you want to pursue. And it may take a little while and and you're going to have to prepare for it. And you may have to check your ego and, and downgrade your lifestyle a little bit to do it, but it's possible. And that's the thing that we always got to keep in mind.
1: Right. Right. I got you. Yeah. I agree with that.
0: Well, Chris, I want to, I want to thank you for doing this today. I want to thank you for not killing me for the, Hundreds of emails that I sent you over the last four years bugging you.
1: Uh, I'm tenacious, man. Hey man, and look, it will eventually pay off. Right, right.
0: right. And it did. I'm glad I'm super pumped that we got to that we got to have this conversation and I really appreciate you being a part of it. Yeah, man. I
1: appreciate you, bro. Thanks a lot, man. Of course.
0: There you have it, the one, the only, Mr. Chris Coleman. And you can grab the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 655. If you dig the podcast, do me a favor, leave a rating, leave a review. And also, uh, if you have some people that you want to hear on the podcast, let me know. Shoot me an email, nick at drummersresource.com or hit me up. I'm on the gram and and uh, Facebook and all that, all that fun stuff. So other than that, that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me, edited by Justin Thomas, video editing by Tomas Shannon, and graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.